on today's The Earth is a Ball. I am joined by two new guests as we discuss the highway robbery known as the Sprite Slam Dunk Contest, the revival of the XFL, and why it took so long for Season 2 to come out. I know I've kept you waiting long enough, so let's get right into it. Now I am joined by Mr. Spenny Goose, Spencer Gustafson. He's a host on Melody and a Memory and the XFL Files on Blaze Radio. He's also the only ginger who does not have a soul. Welcome in, Spence. It is true. I legally do not contain a soul. The doctors wouldn't let me. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, we're happy to have you on. And, you know, at the time this is being recorded, we just witnessed a pretty interesting All-Star Saturday night. I would say this Saturday night definitely brought back some of the excitement that was lacking the last few years. Uh, ever since the Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine weekend, I think NBA All-Star weekend has been lacking severely. But this definitely helped bring it up. Yeah, and, you know, I think it was more of the forwards that kind of shined. The on- big men were showing out tonight, and I was very, very impressed by them. You know, even though I only stand at six six one six two on a good day and i stand at five foot eleven on the best day even though i'm five foot eight legally but i was proud to see i felt like i was represented somehow by those big men yeah you gotta love the bigs you gotta look out for the big guy. you know how everyone says you gotta look out for the little guy nah you gotta look, look out, out for, for the, the big, big guy. guy yeah look out for the big is. guy you know what i mean you know they are so underappreciated sometimes especially in the nba getting all the boards just standing in the middle with their hands up you know you know how much harder it is to breathe walking through being doors, a big person walking, walking through, through doors, doors there's so many difficulties in being a big person reaching down for stuff like it it's so much further down on the ground, Ricky. It's got they got to figure out a way to fix that. But I mean, the final in the skills challenge, the Taco Bell skills challenge. Three big men. Bam Adebayo and Devonta Sabonis were the final two to go, and Big Bam won. And he's yeah, not man. even a three point shooter, and he was able to get it to go on the last last couple rounds. So D Wade, in the beginning, I guess it was because it was my Miami Heat uh, love, all Miami Heat love. But he picked Bam to take it. And I was like, no way, man. He's a big man. Can't do it. First round, lights out. Made his first three. And then he just went on from there. Didn't care. He's just not a three-point shooter in the NBA. And I think Coach Eric Spolstra was starting to game plan something else after that skills challenge took place. He was definitely drawing up a specialty play for him. All right, listen, we're going to take it down the court. We're just going to let him dribble, pull up, shoot. That's all he's going to do. And... I know we're going to get into this a little bit later when we talk about the dunk contest, but Dwayne Wade was very, 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 very biased. I would say he was pretty biased tonight. I mean, listen, he, he's new to the announcing game. He's not really on the whole objective, non-biased wave yet. I'm sure later in his career as a color guy, he'll get into that more, you know? Yeah. Yes. All right, so while we have Spence here on the podcast... Oh, by the way, it's an honor to be here, Ricky. We're going to bring a new segment into the podcast. It is called Sadness with Spence because we're both Dolphins fans. Yeah, We're both fans of NL East baseball teams, so we have plenty to be sad about, especially with the Nationals winning the World Series, the Uh. Dolphins kind of tanking the season this year, but we're going to have an all-star Saturday night, Sadness with Spence. And why don't we start with Spencer Dinwiddie on your Brooklyn Nets? What did, what did you okay, think of that? Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I get it. He didn't perform. He did not perform. He was lazy. He didn't want to be there. I'm convinced. That's the only reason he, he didn't lost. want to be there. I don't think he wanted to be at the skills challenge. Why didn't he want to be there? 
guys, it's the skills challenge. It's the it's the middle child, even though it's actually first. It's somehow. the it's the youngest child that nobody cares about. It's the young child that always stays in his room, and no one really notices <laughs> that they're gone. And then how about Brooklyn Nets star Joe Harris kind of choking it in the three point contest? What, what do you mean it? he choked? He had twenty three points. The three point contest was great tonight. There was. 27s, 26. But Joe Harris, the defending three-point yes, champion. Yes, the defending three-point champion. Did he even hit the Mountain Dew shot from I the don't logo? believe he did. That's not his range. It's disappointing, He's man. a traditional three-point shooter. What does that mean? Foot right behind the line. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me that. Well, it was pretty impressive. I mean, you did mention the three-point contest was very, very good tonight. Wet like I'm book. Davis Bertans, Devin Booker, and Buddy Heald reaching the final three, but Buddy Heald coming away with the victory in that one. What, what did you think of Big Buddy coming back and showing him how it's done? I like Buddy Heald. I think he's a really fun player to watch, and uh, I think it's going to get his name out there a little bit more since he's on a really young and hungry Sacramento team that could be very good in the future with De'Aaron Fox, of course, being their big guy, right? Their big front. Front, uh, center yeah. of the franchise? Yeah, center of the franchise. You know, De'Aaron Fox out of Kentucky. Marvin Bagley yes. at power forward as well. So mm-hmm. definitely rebuilding going on in Sacramento, but definitely a team to keep an eye on for Buddy the next Hill. couple of years. Buddy Hill showing out tonight for the fans. With Sacktown written across his chest. Sacktown always, baby. All right, now why don't we get into what we really have been waiting for. Sadness with Spence, the slam dunk contest. Poor Aaron oh Gordon, right? God, the, I mean, look, Derek Jones Jr. had some legendary dunks tonight. Some dunks we've never seen before, like the alley oop off the backboard between the legs, never over the guy, never seen it before. But the amount of fifties that were given out tonight is absurd, and I was very disappointed to see how many fifties there were because I didn't think they were all deserving of fifty. I think 50 is a number that kind of goes into the culture of the slam dunk contest just because if you get it on the first try, if the crowd is excited, you know, people already have that initial initial shock that, you know, you were able to dunk a basketball while doing some pretty cool tricks. <laughs> yeah, but, but if, 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 you're, if you're going out in the first round, right, you're not showing your best stuff. No. No, absolutely not. Now, we and, saw Pat Connington... Tap the backboard while jumping over someone. That was the second dunk. Second dunk. Yes, but it's still in the first round. Yes. That was a really cool dunk. But it was like he was trying to play it safe. You know, Dwight Howard just going with a nice basic Statue of Liberty 360 on the first dunk. I thought he deserved a higher score on that. I thought that was extremely difficult. He spread eagle, smiled at the camera, (laughs) and then turned around and dunked it. All in one motion. I thought a 41 was insanely low for that. I thought he should have at least had a 45. But it wasn't a 50. It was not a 50. And I don't think many of the dunks that got 50, like Aaron Gordon's first dunk, was really cool. I didn't think it was a 50. And he I... got five 50s tonight. And he didn't win. And he didn't win. It ta- like the, the lore of 50 is kind of out the window because it doesn't feel like they're earning it. You know, in 88... When uh, Jordan went up against Dom, they were like, he needs a 50 to win. And then, oh, my God, he got the 50, and then he won. That was legendary because he had to earn that 50, and he did with the what was it, the free throw line. Pretty sure. Pretty sure it was the free throw line dunk. And that became a moment in history because he earned it. 
That was an insane dunk. No one had ever seen it before. But the dunks in the first two rounds felt like, I don't know, it just felt like they were just handing them out. And, you know, when we saw the last couple dunks in the dunk-off in the final round between Derek Jones Jr., who is, by the way, from the Philadelphia area, went to Archbishop Carroll High School. Did he? And won the high school dunk contest that year, jumping over Ben Simmons and somebody else who that I forget the name That guy could jump over, of. like, five buses. He's got hops. Ridiculous bounce. Very similar to mine on about a five-foot hoop, but <laughs> we're not going to get into that. But we saw the judges kind of congregating in between each dunk, and that kind of annoyed me because if you have five judges on the panel, then they're supposed to think for themselves. You know, you heard Dwayne Wade on the panel just like, I got peer pressured into giving this score, mm-hmm. or we're, we're, we're trying to plan it out here. Like, it didn't make sense. It kind of re- took yeah. away from the fun of exactly. it. Exactly. I thought it was cool that it was kind of a dunk-off, but the only reason that they were in a dunk-off in the first place was because they were just handing out these 50s. Given those last few dunks were well-deserving of the scores they got, except for the final two. Final two were ridiculous. The final two were ridiculous dunk. He jumped over Taco Fall. He's seven foot five. And he still didn't win. And he didn't win. That was the only non-perfect score he had on the night, and that cost him the trophy for the second time in his career. Two-time. Two-time dunk contest loser, Aaron Gordon, even though he's had some of the most iconic dunks in dunk contest history. Tell me how that happens, Ricky. All right. Tell me how that happens. And I think that's kind of a perfect segue into our next segment, the equator, which is kind of a fan favorite here on the Earth as a Ball. It is the hottest take of the episode because the equator is the hottest part of the Earth. Mm-hmm. I think two of our hot takes that we were talking about before we came on. One, the NBA is out to get Aaron Gordon. Yes. And two, the home run derby in Major League Baseball is better than the dunk contest in the NBA. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. I wholeheartedly agree with you that the home run derby is much more exciting now than the... I think they've swapped places, in my personal opinion. Yes. Ever since they implemented the timing rule for the home run derby, it's fast-paced. You get to see them be tired, but the time element is still a factor when you see them creeping up, getting hot towards the end. But the dunk contest, it's like... There's no energy in the building anymore. It's more of a show. There's so much downtime in between dunks that it kind of takes away from it. Uh, I disagree. I think the reason it is not as good is because the players don't play to the crowd anymore. Like tonight, I can't tell you how many times even the announcers didn't know they were about to go. They just went off and did it. Like Dwight Howard was the first dunker. I I didn't realize that the dunk contest was starting. And then all of a sudden I see him in full uniform and then I'm like, oh, I guess we're going. But they're not like Vince Carter's famous dunk, his famous dunk contest when he won it all. He played into the crowd and the crowd was as hype as I've ever seen a crowd in a video or on live TV. The announcers were into it because the crowd was feeling it. They felt the energy of the room. Kenny Smith, obviously with his legendary, let's go home. Just just another hot take while you bring that up. He needs to stop saying that because... It is getting very old, and it's it's just not working anymore, you know? Well, now it's kind of like, all right, when's he going to say it? You know? When's oh, say- when's he going to say it? All right, I got to warm up my voice for this one, I'm pretty sure he said tonight. He and then that. he's like, let's go home! I'm like, no, we still have 
one or two more dunks left. Yeah. Kenny, come on. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. I get it. He's old. He's trying to ride off of his old trends. He's got to figure something else out. But that's what I think. I think that they need to play into the crowd more. Like Pete Alonso this year, at, or last year, at the, the Home Run Derby, he was so into it. He was trying to pump up the crowd, even though it wasn't his home crowd in Cleveland. And he knocked out their their home guy, Carlos Santana. He was still trying to play into it, trying to get the crowd hype. Uh, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., are you kidding me? And I'm glad that you brought those two names up because another reason why I think the MLB Home Run Derby is better than the dunk contest is because they're getting the stars of the game to play. You're getting guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr., Pete Alonso, Cody Bellinger. You know, you had Robinson Cano a couple years back here in Arizona participate, and they've got the big-name guys. Christian Yelich was supposed to participate in the Home Run Derby last year. Jock Peterson, you know. That was a legendary and we were waiting for guys like Zion, who was hurt, and I get why you didn't want to participate this year. But, you know, you had Ja Morant drop out. You know, we haven't seen LeBron in a dunk contest at all, but we see him throwing down nasty slams and layup lines. Like, why doesn't he want to come out on All-Star Saturday night when he's going to be there anyway watching the events unfold? Like, I don't even think he was there tonight. Just why not bring out the stars of the game to participate in the dunk contest because that will get the fans more engaged because nobody knew who Derek Jones Jr. was maybe because he was in the dunk contest a couple years ago nobody really knew who Pat Connington was unless you were a Notre Dame basketball fan a couple years ago I can wholeheartedly tell you that before tonight I had never heard of that man's name and nobody probably knew who Dwight Howard was before he signed with the Lakers (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so he was a big star back in his day I was being a little sarcastic there. I'm just making sure. I think we're a little bit past the LeBron era for a dunk contest, even though he still looks and plays amazing. I think a guy like... Like John Morant. John John Morant Morant participates... He's young. He's not going to get hurt. You get people to watch that, though. Like, people will hear the name John Morant because he exploded on the NCAA tournament scene last year. But here's the thing. These guys have to know that they have the ability to to out-dunk these guys. He's a great in-game dunker, yeah, but I don't know how he's going to be to put on a show. Why would why didn't Zach Levine participate this year? You know, he did the three-point contest in his home stadium, the United Center. He plays for the Chicago Bulls. Nah, why man. didn't he want the rematch with Aaron Gordon? Why didn't he want it? Because he's already been there, done that. He won that. That's all he needs. That's a chicken move on his end. All right. Hot take. There it is. The equator. Zach Levine. Come on, dude. We need to see at least Derek Jones. Oh, he's not going. Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon with Zion in the dunk contest next year. That's what we need to see. See, that will grab tickets, but the NBA is not going to do that. It's not really the NBA's fault, though. It's the players. They they gotta participate. They have to. What do you think it is that's holding them back? Do you think they don't want to be embarrassed? Do you think they just don't want to lose? I don't know. Because I don't, I that mean, would if be I was show. going into the dunk contest tonight, I was like, Aaron Gordon is taking this, and and I have no chance. He was dunking out there with a swagger. He had something in his eyes, just the way that he walked and the way that he reacted after every dunk. He's like, I am a man on a mission. I am going to put up 550s, 650s even, if needed be, which he should have, but he didn't. But he just had a determination tonight, like a swagger. Not cocky, but that was a scary sight to see. But Derek Jones didn't back down. All right, Spence. Well, that just about wraps it up. Thank you for coming on, my friend. Hopefully this isn't the last time we're hearing from you. Oh, I'm so sad.
<laughs> we, <laughs> we had a lot to talk about the All-Star Saturday night just minutes after it ended. Thanks for coming on, bud. Well, the only reason I'm able to talk about it is how fresh in my mind it is. So that's how we have to do this from now on. As soon, <laughs> as, soon as something ends, we have to talk about it before it exits my brain. All right. Well, hopefully something else happens in the near future. Thanks for coming on, man. I hope so. I would now like to welcome in another new guest to the Earth is a Ball. He is a host on the XFL Files and Gold Medal Sprint. He is also a watermelon-eating champion. It is none other than Mr. Henry Schleiser. Welcome on, bud. Ricky, it's great to be on. I've heard a lot about Earth is a Ball. I'm really excited. Now... How did you get that champion title? How, how did that come about? So yesterday, I was at Southwest Cajun Fest in Chandler, Arizona with uh, my buddies. And they have food eating competitions. And one of them was watermelon. And two minutes before the watermelon one started, I wasn't going to do it. I was going to do a chicken wing eating one. But then um, when I looked to my buddy Harrison. He was like, yo. You should go do the watermelon eating competition. And I was like, nah, nah. But then I was like, there's a $100 prize if I win. So I was like, I, I think I could eat a half a watermelon faster than all the other competitors. And I did. So, yeah. <laughs> so so it was the money that was really – how, how many watermelons did you eat? Uh, so they said it was a half watermelon, but really it was like a <laughs> third. Uh, but – it was really easy to eat and really, really quick. So you ate a third of a watermelon and you're a watermelon eating champion. Well, yeah, I'm I am happy to have you on the podcast today, <laughs> but uh, that was not what I expected coming into this. But Ricky, I woke up a champion this morning. I feel that's, good. That's right. Get you the WWE belt. World watermelon eating champion. <laughs> WWE. <laughs> Well, well, while we have you on the podcast, why don't we bring up a new segment to the show? All right. You know, season two. It's called Hanging with Hank. Oh, all And why right. don't we talk about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts, the XFL. Oh, all right. So, you know, the XFL, one and a half weeks in at the time of this recording, what have been your initial reactions to the league? So I know we joke around about the XFL a lot on our radio show every week, on the XFL Files, but... Wait, what time is that at? It is at 6 o'clock Wednesday nights. Blaze Tune Radio in. Blaze, BlazeRadioOnline.com. Yes, great programming. But on a serious note with the XFL, I've actually been very surprised, like pleasantly surprised. I mean, I thought the league was going to do well, and I thought it was going to be entertaining. And I thought the football was going to be good. But I've been very impressed with the level of football. And I think a lot of, thing, a lot of things that like football fans forgot is like, these guys aren't scrubs. Like, these are guys who played in the NFL, got very close to playing in the NFL, played college football at a high level. And, I mean, the, these guys are hungry. These guys love to play, and they're playing well. I mean, take – take you're a Defenders fan. Take the I'm def a DC Defenders guy. Take, take Lifelong. Take the Defenders, for example. What are, They're 2-0, they're and oh, but, it, but they're really good. I mean, even – and then the Dragons game yesterday, the Dragons look really good. I mean, just the football has been very, very solid. And, and I, I think – one more thing. And I think they've they've done a great job of marketing the league and driving up fan interaction. So I think I think that's why this league is going to be around for a while, and that's why I think it's had so much early success. The one thing that concerns me about the XFL right now, and I know it's still early in the year, 
but it seems like the league is very top-heavy. Now, we're recording this before the Houston Roughnecks and the St. Louis Battlehawks play, which is a meeting between two 1-0 teams, so we'll really get to see who separates themselves. We've had a couple close games, but we haven't really had the shootout that the fans have been expecting. I mean, the D.C. defenders threw the first double forward pass yesterday, but it was really in a meaningless game because they won 27-0. But we saw a close finish in Seattle against the Vipers, and I just think the quality of play has been good, but I think the scoring needs to go up more because you have the special extra points going from one for two or for three that the fans kind of want to see, but they haven't had the opportunity to just because there haven't been a lot of touchdowns scored on the offensive side of the ball. Well, here, here's the thing about that. You got to remember this. We're a, at, at this time, we're a week and a half in. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, am I, I'm not disappointed this stuff hasn't happened. I'm, I'm a little shocked, I'll say, that it hasn't happened, but I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. One thing, you mentioned the extra points. If you're an XFL coach, why are you going for one? Like, I feel like that's so dumb because... They're at the two-yard line, right? You're at the two-yard line. Why would you go for one? I mean, back up to, what, the five? And, the go, five. For, and go for two. I mean, t- ten yards for three is a little tough, but, like, go for two. Why not, right? I mean, I just think going for one, I mean, it's like a waste of opportunity. It's a waste to do something really, really cool. Now, the one thing that you mentioned is marketing the game the right way. And I think on social media, all the platforms, that the XFL has done a great job of establishing their brand. While it's not necessarily the most professional, the way the teams are being run on social media, that they're kind of taking jabs at each other a little too hard sometimes. But they really brought up these new rules and the transparency, especially in downtime. And I think that's what makes the XFL a little bit better than the NFL right now is that people complain about the XFL games being long and dragged out and everything with the reviewing plays, you know, in between kickoff times and everything like that. Too many commercials. But what the XFL does is they take those long breaks where people don't really pay attention. Well, they'll get up, go to the bathroom, get a snack or something. And they make them even more interesting. You know, if you're reviewing a a play, they take you inside the booth where you can see the guy with the Xbox controller reviewing it, seeing his thought process. In between kickoffs, they're interviewing coaches and players. You know, yesterday, Matt McGloin got benched because of an interview he had on the sideline before halftime saying that they needed to change their entire offensive scheme. So while the games aren't necessarily moving at a quicker pace, it feels like a quicker pace to the audience just because those little breaks, they're making more interesting. The first XFL game I watched, it was the first game of the of the season. It was the Defenders Dragon, Defenders Dragons, yeah. Yes. And I remember I was doing an assignment involving it for one of my classes, but I got so into the game when the game was over, I was like, oh my God, that was three hours. That just went by. It, it didn't feel like it at all. And you mentioned it, that the XFL has done a really good job filling airtime with these interviews and these booth reviews and everything. They're really, I think, back when the XFL failed for the first time, you look at Vince McMahon, you look at guys who come out now, coming back now and doing this league again, and they're looking at what they can do to really, and Vince McMahon said it, to give the game back to football fans and really give them like a firsthand view of what actually happens in every facet of the game and I think that's why they've been so good is because they're giving fans more more priority and more access and I think that's really really cool and even if you go to the games like yesterday I was texting my buddy Jake Diannuntis who is an avid listener to the Earth is a Ball podcast shout out to you Jake 
he goes to Georgetown University. So, you know, right outside D.C. Oh. Defenders country, he's, he's going to go to one of the games, you know, cheap $20 tickets. And I was texting him. I was, like, I was like, what is the atmosphere like? He's like, dude, it's crazy. It gets so loud here. Didn't necessarily compare it to Eagles fans at the link, but he said the atmosphere was great. It was a fun game to watch, even though they were blowing them out. Just XFL football felt like real football. And I think that was something it? something that was different from this edition of the XFL to the one back in 2000, 2001, when it was more of an entertainment aspect. You know, Vince McMahon trying to bring like wrestling and football it was and w- combining it, it, it was WWE in football form. That's what they were going for. World wrestling entertainment, not world watermelon eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, I I did not play in the XFL in two thousand one. I was not a watermelon eating champion then. But no, I mean, like I said, I mean that's basically he Vince McMahon tried to put wrestling in football, and in theory, like it's a good idea. Obviously, it didn't work because he was trying to market to a very very like niche group, and I think his thought I thought his thought process back then was. All my my wrestling fans, they'll lo- they like they have to like football. Why don't we just put the two together? That's not true. Not all wrestling fans are football fans. You know, this this is purely geared at football fans, at fans, and it's like it's they've made the league very very inclusive, but also still maintaining like that kind of like like renegade-esque, like we're different and we want to be different and we want to do things our way. And I think this time they got it right. And, you know, they have a lot of players that have played in the college ranks, some professionals that didn't necessarily make the cut, no pun intended, this past off season. But there's some familiar names that will get people to watch, like Cardell Jones, who played for Ohio State and won a national championship. People hear that name, they're like, oh, wow. He's still playing football. You know, Landry Jones. Bob Stoops is coaching in the XFL well, yeah. after not coaching at Oklahoma the last couple of years. So just some big names. And I think the XFL, with those names, with the new rules, with the new identity, really hit the nail on the head with this one. No, yeah, they've def- they've done a great job. And, I mean, we talked about it earlier. Like, these guys aren't scrubs. Like, these are guys who played in the NFL, played college football at a high level and at the D1 ranks. I mean, take guys like... I'm going to shout out Joey Vaki here, like his L.A. Wildcats, like Nelson Spruce. Nelson Spruce was a very, very good Division I receiver at, at Colorado, had a short stint with the L.A. Rams, but now he's one of the best receivers in the XFL. Like these guys are good football players. They, I don't think they're getting enough credit for how good they actually are. You know what I mean? And you got to remember that this is only week two, and – I think the tackling was a little subpar in week one, but they didn't tackle the entire offseason in any training camps, any scrimmages, nothing. And I think the quality of football, considering that factor that these guys have been out of football some as many as three or four years, coming back onto the gridiron and performing at this high of a level right now, the sky's the limit. And they could really excel as the season progresses because we still have a lot more football left to be played. Oh, no, I agree. And I think the biggest thing is, is, I would not put it out of the picture to say that we could maybe see, depending on how successful the XFL is this year, and I think it's going to be very successful. Like, imagine, like, obviously the NFL does not have, like, a minor league. They've kind of tried it out with, like, NFL Europe and other things in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, But that wasn't even linked with the NFL, really. 
they tried stuff, but like nothing really materialized. I think the XFL might, if they're successful, they could be one of the perfect places for like NFL prospects. I mean, they could maybe have something with the NFL where it's like, hey, we have some practice squad guys who we like. They, you know, didn't really play this year. We're gonna send them over. We're gonna send them over. Play with you guys for a little bit. I think it's a thing where, obviously, the XFL's big thing is the spring. But I'm sure there's a way they could work it out where it's like guys get called up, like to go or get signed, like through like a pipeline. It's not just like they're you know independent contractors. There's actually like an organized thing. I think that's something that could that's very realistic, and I think that could actually happen if the XFL continues to go in the way that it's going right now. Yeah, and you mentioned the spring because obviously the XFL doesn't want to rival ratings with the NFL, especially in its first season. But you got to remember that football is one of those sports that takes a big toll on your body. And I know you know that yeah. firsthand because you played football in high school. I obviously didn't. You got to remember that the offseason is very crucial for football players to be able to recover and maintain their body to the next season. So if you got guys coming in and out of the NFL and then the XFL and then back in the NFL, they don't have as much time to recover, and that could also hinder their performance on the field. That's the thing that I think is going to be the biggest what if, and that's going to be the biggest roadblock to kind of overcome, to find a solution. Because now football, I did not play football for nearly as long as my counterparts. I played football in middle school, and I only – I didn't play a lot of football in high school and that's because of injuries like I got absolutely crushed and battered with injuries and football's like you said Ricky one of those sports where you take guys in the NFL and you go through a whole season in the NFL and then someone's like hey we're gonna send you down to play in the XFL this for the spring you're thinking oh are you kidding me because then you're going through another season of 12 like 10, potentially 12 weeks where you're just going to be absolutely crushed. Not to mention learning an entire new system, playbook, things like that, just going with a new organization. Yeah, that, and that's going to be the toughest thing. But over, but just like I think if this conversation does get started, there's going to be a lot of talk about how can we preserve players' bodies, what's going to happen here, how, how could we do this. But that's a conversation for a different day. Now the one thing I just want to note, there's one college player who still has NCAA eligibility who's playing in the XFL right now. A West Virginia defensive back is playing in the XFL right now because he was hurt all season, but he's going to try and enter the draft combine, but he needs more tape. So it's very interesting how the NCAA is letting him play in the XFL, get that tape so that he could ultimately be drafted by an NFL team in April. And yeah, I mean, but you and you see that like that's really that's interesting to me because usually the the NCAA like isn't that good and flexible about letting p- players like do that. But I mean now you you got to see like he's playing in the XFL right now. He's getting paid. I mean he's basically like I mean he's foregoing any eligibility. Well, left. I think I like, think he's gonna enter the draft well, well, anyway. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. But I mean I. But see, I mean, I think even if there is no, like, connection, like, that just shows the XFL is going to be a great pipeline to the NFL, and it's going to be a great way to scout. And even, you know, the rules coming out now that players can be paid out off their image and likeness in the NCAA going to be established in a couple of years from now. Do we see players like Trevor Lawrence maybe in a couple of years before they can get paid by the NCAA going to the XFL just a year or two under their belt, still getting that film, and then they can still be drafted by the NFL? You mentioned Trevor Lawrence. 
specifically in his case, no, I, no way. He's not going to yeah, leave Clemson. But I, I do think it'd be a realistic thing. I mean, you see guys like like in the NBA or let's just or cow like college basketball, the best high school prospects take R.J. Hampton going and playing in New Zealand for a year, getting paid. Emmanuel Moutier going and doing that. Was it Brandon Jennings who was like one of the first guys to do that? Brandon Jennings did it. I know he, but he was one of like the first guys, the new era to do it. So going over, playing basketball overseas after high school for a year, getting paid, and then going to the NBA, I think that could be a thing with the XFL and NFL, like great, like the best high school prospects deciding, hey, you know what? I'm going to go play a few years in the XFL. I'm going to make, I'm going to make some money. Go do that. Get your tape. I think that's something that could be very realistic in the next few years. Yeah, the average salary for an XFL player right now is $55,000 for the year. But if the team wins a game, then all the active players on the winning team get to split $100,000. So definitely something to keep an eye on as we get closer to the NCAA officially implementing the pay-for-play. Not pay-for-play, but paying for image and likeness. Paying because they look good and play well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Hank. Why don't we move on to our next segment? Let's do it. Let's do it. So I think it's only fitting that we go out on this episode of The Earth is a Ball with a brand new segment, another new segment. It's called the Pitchfork Pick'em, where, you know, we've had a semester or two of college under our belts. Go to the Arizona State University, you know, famous for the fork, fear the fork. Three prongs on that fork. We're going to pick three procrastination tactics, and Hank and I are going to discuss some of those so hank you have the first pick what is your favorite procrastination method ricky my favorite procrastination method and it'll sound weird watching weird sports now listen let's (laughs) say i've got something important to do and i see that an international cricket game between india and the philippines is going on (laughs) oh i can't miss that I have to watch that game. So instead of, you know, doing my homework that must be done, I'm watching a India versus the Philippines cricket match in Dubai. For whatever reason, it's there because the World Cricket Championships were there one year. Love doing that. And it's a great way to get my mind off the important things and uh, get really invested in something that I will never think about again. I mean, I'd have to agree with you on that one because I'd can't tell you how many times I've spent numerous nights staying up watching the World Series of Poker, PBA Bowling, Professional Cornhole. Like, those things just get the blood flowing, and it's a perfect way to just not think about schoolwork, right? Ricky, you know, it's funny. You, you I, I was telling – not you, but I was telling someone else that I was I like to watch, like, cricket and weird sports when I, uh, when I should be doing other stuff. And they go, Henry, who do you think you are? And I went – I am. Little PBA reference. Do you know what I'm talking about? Who do you uh, think you are? I am. <laughs> that's that's all I had for that. <laughs> all right. Well, my first pick for the procrastination pick'em is playing Candy Crush. Because, you know, I'll be sitting on my bed watching some weird sports like cricket or World Series of Poker. And I'll just, you know play Candy Crush on my phone, you know, Candy Crush, Candy Crush Soda, Candy Crush Pop. There's like Candy Crush Jelly. There's probably Candy Crush Peanut Butter to go along with that. Like 
There's a thousand different kind of Candy Crush. You get new lives every 20 minutes once you lose them, but you have enough apps that can keep you going three, four hours. Just put on some music, you know? No worries about homework. Even if you have a paper due that night, Candy Crush is always the answer. That's an interesting choice. I mean, I don't disagree. I, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to stay on that kind of wavelength right now for my second pick. My second pick, playing Game Pigeon. That, it's, it's not, it's not Candy Crush, but it is a great way to get your mind off the important things that you need to get done. And it is something that I have killed a lot of time doing. Now, what is your go-to game on Pigeon? Because I know there's like the Penguin game where you launch them at each other. There's Battleship. There's Tic-Tac-Toe. What, what's your go-to game on Game Pigeon then? My go-to, um, a big Cup Pong guy. Uh, Cup Pong's a lot of fun. On the phone. On the phone. On the phone. Dude, we're 18. I know, we, we, can't, right? we can't even do that. Well, we just need to specify. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think my favorite, it has to be basketball. Basketball's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not good at the game, but like, I still think it's really fun. Um, but I like them all. I mean, one of my friends – oh, there's one I hate, Moncala. Am I saying that right? Moncala sucks. That game, I don't understand how to play it. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's stupid. Wait, is that is that the one with the wooden board with, like, the little, yeah. little holes in it? Yeah, that game stinks. I have no idea how that game is supposed no, to work. No, I, I don't know. And I looked up how to play it and read it, and I'm, I, I was just thinking, like, what the – expletive word I can't say on this podcast because it is family-friendly. Family-friendly podcast. Earth is a ball. <laughs> exactly. The earth is family-friendly. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, what? How do you play this? And it doesn't make sense. But I was still playing it with one of my friends thinking <laughs> I could win because I would – it was like their goal was like get as many – it's as get as many little pebbles into – in or out of the board. <laughs> I, don't, I still don't know. I am just as confused as you are. <laughs> My next pick is going to be going down a YouTube dark hole. Okay. And, and that's kind of like when you're sitting, you're doing some research for a podcast, you're watching dunk contest highlights or something, or LeBron highlights, and then you look back up at the clock, and it's two or three hours later, and the video you're watching is how chefs Bobby Flay and Emerald season their asparagus. It just It's one of those things that... You start watching one video and they have the the recommended for you on the side and you just keep clicking, clicking, clicking. And somehow you just end up in a completely different destination than when you started. No, Yeah, I mean, I've done that before, watching things like like Walter Payton highlights. I'm a Bears fan, so, you know, I get caught up in the old good days. And it's, it's kind of the same thing on TikTok or Vines or even Facebook videos, things of that nature. You just kind of get caught in a little rabbit hole and you just keep scrolling, keep clicking and and you just keep going and it doesn't stop. Yeah, but you know, it's enjoyable, a lot more enjoyable than writing a 9-page paper for news reporting and writing. You have to write a 9-page paper for news reporting and writing. All right, maybe English 105, but we're not going to get into that. Okay, okay. Hopefully my parents aren't listening, but <laughs> I So so final pick for you, Hank. Ooh, my final my final pick, Ricky. You know, I've got some friends who are uh, the, in the grade above us. Yes. And they live in an apartment complex called Roosevelt Point. For my final pick, I could be hunkering down to do some homework. And I'll get a text from one of my buddies like, hey, what are you doing right now? You want to come hang? And I'm like, oh, I got to hang. I got to go do some fun stuff. Got to go play some <laughs> Madden, play some NHL. Run the sticks. Exactly. And so my third and final procrastination pick em pick is going to the Roosevelt Point apartment complex to hang out 
with some of my older friends when I have to do other work. You see, I like to break down this pick a little bit because I think it's a great one. Roosevelt Point's about 10 minutes away from our Taylor Place dorms down here in downtown Phoenix. Correct, correct. So it's about a 10-minute walk there and a 10-minute walk back. So that's already 20 minutes of procrastination. And you get a good exercise in. Nice little get your steps in, right? But then you could spend anywhere between 40 to three hours there running the sticks, just chilling with the boys, right? Yes. Now, I have spent egregious amounts of time there <laughs> playing Madden, trying to beat my friend Nick Zellersing, who is very good. And it's, I not, just, it's not working. It's not working. He's so freaking good, and I suck. So it's like it's, it's a battle I can't win, but I'm not going to stop fighting it. Does that make sense? <laughs> of course it makes sense. Everything on the earth as a ball makes sense. But my last pick is going to be reviving a dead podcast. You know, do I have a big test this week? Do I have a couple papers due? No comment. But what am I doing? Reviving the earth as a ball podcast. So I think it's a great procrastination tactic because, you know, I get to, to practice broadcasting. I get to chill with my boys, talk about sports. This is true. This is true. So, yeah, reviving a dead podcast, making it rise from the ashes like a phoenix in the city of the sun. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Pick number three. Now, do you think there's anything that we might have missed here? Because we only had three picks for the three prongs, fear the fork. Um. Oh. I, I think there are definitely a few that we've missed. I think a big one. I, I don't know if this will count as procrastination, but occasionally, very occasionally – Ricky, when you, you are a manager on the basketball team, so you'll be in Tempe sometimes, and occasionally you'll shoot out a text and be like, yo, who trying to go to Canes? Oh. And then, and then there will be times when oh. very occasionally I people will be like, yo, we got to go to Canes. And even if it's like we had other plans or whatever, it's like those sometimes go all the way off the board. Now let me just explain for my people back east who might be listening to this. Raising Cane's is a fast food chicken finger place, but the chicken fingers are gas. They are amazing. Dude, let me tell you, a little, little Caniac combo action with two two pieces of toast. Oh, my. That, bit, that might oh. be my favorite thing about Arizona oh. is Raising Cane's chicken tenders. <laughs> oh. But how do you get to Cane's, Henry? Because one of my other procrastination tactics that we might have missed on was riding the scooters around downtown Phoenix. Oh. Now, they have these little scooters that you can scan with your phones and just ride around the city, you know? So I'm a big proponent of riding the scooters when you have a big assignment due. Ricky, I, I, I'm a big proponent of never getting on those scooters. It's <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Do you know how many people I've seen wipe out on them? No, you don't because I've never told you. I've seen two. Two people wipe out on those scooters, and I will never, ever get, out, get on one just because of the public fear of me falling off and having people laugh at me and being like, yo, you see that guy? Yeah, he fell off a scooter once right in front of TP. And that is hashtag embarrassing, and I will never let that happen. Well, Henry, maybe one time when we make a wager on the XFL files, we'll have to make you ride a scooter. That'll happen at a later date, hopefully. And we will definitely get video of that, you riding on one of those scooters. But I think that's going to wrap it up for the Pitchfork Pick'em. And Henry, that's all the time we have. So thanks for coming on, bud. It was a pleasure having you here. Ricky, thank you for having me on. Hopefully, hopefully I'm invited back. 
because this was a lot of fun, and I'm a big, big fan of The Earth is a Ball. I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode of The Earth is a Ball. Hopefully we'll have some more episodes out for you in the near future. But until then, just remember that the Earth is in fact a ball.